Colts over here. Colts over there. There are colts everywhere. And we're going to tell you all about it with a fairy tale twist. Welcome to Once Once Upon a Colt. Once upon a time, there was a boy who enjoyed playing with his rocket. Nothing weird here. He just plays with rockets. This is a normal story. That's normal. Playing with rockets, wink wink. You know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about Jack Parsons. Yes, I am so excited about this because I previously, just up until recently, lived in South Pasadena. (laughs) And so as I discovered all this wonderful stuff about Mr. Jack Parsons um, and the amazing things he did in the Pasadena area. I was like, you guys, we got to look at this. <laughs> yes, we do. And before we get there, we have been off the air for, I think, what, a month and a half now? Taking a mm-hmm. little break. Yeah. So what have Holidays. we all been up to? Um, well, I'm not Victoria. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am Rachel, (laughs) and I've been here with you guys before, um, but I'm really excited um, that in this next chapter of our storybook, um, I'm going to be joining you guys. Mm -hmm. And um, just in case you didn't hear on an earlier episode, Victoria is still around. She's still going to pop in here or there, but she is having much success with her keto journey and keto life, so that's why she has decided to step away from the podcast, but still be part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forever part of the family. Yeah. Hi, Alan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, you know, just, yeah, during the break, just spend some time with family um, out in the Bay Area uh, by San Francisco. So that's fun. Yeah. 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 While we've been away, I've been working on all my projects. I did want to tell everyone I had two mini experiences. Mini experiences? Yeah, mini quests, one might say. Like Minnie Mouse? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, right before the holiday, uh, I got a handwritten on a notepaper letter uh, sent to resident, and I opened it. It was completely in Spanish. But as you all may not know, (laughs) Rachel and I met in Spanish class in high school. (laughs) Yes, we did. Well, I met Stephanie through there, then you through Stephanie, I guess. But I could read the letter. (laughs) (gasps) So talented that you have maintained that. (laughs) It basically said, like, we're all going through a hard time. I was like, no shit. And, um, you know, your family's going through so much. There's a sickness. And we just want to make sure you're okay. Go ahead and pop over to JW.org. And I was like, I know what JW stands for. Oh, yeah. I have an idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witness. So there was that. And then on Instagram, this is my favorite. You you all need to know that the Illuminati (laughs) contacted me on Instagram. What? The Illuminati said, if you would like to be rich and have be assigned a mansion... I would love to be assigned a mansion. I would love Please this. send that my way. So what the Illuminati doesn't know about Sean is when I was in high school, I was part of <laughs> a Masonic organization called Dumoulet for teenage boys. We'd yes. hang out and go to theme parks and go to like outdoor experiences. We'd cut off Volunteer. goat's heads. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> 
sacrifice the rainbow girls. So um, the Illuminati use pictures from the Masons. Oh, <laughs> Apparently yeah. these Masons were the Illuminati. So I wrote them back. I was like, I'd love this, but I'd like to know why you have no members. <laughs> <laughs> and why are you using pictures from the Masons? And they stopped talking to me. <laughs> Rude. Wow. Yeah, so... I bring this up just to remind everybody we are all going through a shit time and watch out for the Illuminati contacting you. I just love that while I was doing handwritten notes to people in Georgia begging them to vote that Jehovah's Witnesses are like sending just letters to random people being like, hey. Hey. I really am, uh, what's the word, like, what's the word? I, I don't know where the sentence was going, so I'm not sure. I'm really just amazed that, like, somebody sat down and did, like, did they send it to everybody in our complex? Because there's a lot of apartments here. Like, that's, that's a lot. Hand Dedication. <laughs> and I, mine weren't even completely handwritten. I just had added little touches of handwrittenness to oh, a nice. printed template <laughs> <laughs> for my people. And it worked, you guys. It, it worked. worked. Thank Boom. you. Yes. I did it, you guys. I did it. <laughs> All by herself. All right, let's get into our tale here. So our tale starts on October 2nd, 1914. Ooh. The wind whistled through the grass. <laughs> and in the distance, you hear a, a woman screaming as she births. <laughs> Marvel Parsons. That's right. Marvel Parsons. Marvel Whiteside. Whiteside. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's a superhero. I think he's a superhero. So Marvel Whiteside Parsons, if you look at Wikipedia, you're not going to find the name Marvel Parsons. You're going to find Jack Parsons. But here's, this is what I loved. This is how they started it. On Wikipedia, it states, it starts by saying he is a rocket engineer, chemist, and Thelemite Occultist. <laughs> <laughs> the best of all things. The best of all things. So again, this is a normal story about a boy who plays with his rocket. Normal. <laughs> and he was named after his father. That's why he has this really interesting name. Mm-hmm. Um, but then his father cheated on the mother, and they ended up getting divorced, and she could not stand calling him by the name Marvel anymore. So she named him DC. and that was when it all started the rivalry (laughs) but she would call him john Mm -hmm. obviously and as we all know nowadays uh jack is a nickname for john Mm -hmm. this all makes sense it all makes sense yep (laughs) so he actually grew up pretty wealthy yeah yep and he grew up wealthy in pasadena like mansion row yeah area and in the eighth grade he met a boy named edward foreman who was like his soulmate in life purpose and they both loved playing with rockets they loved playing with each other's rockets uh (laughs) (laughs) and according to some of the information i found jack is a very effeminate boy at this time so there are some rumors that he may have actually liked playing with other boys rockets yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, too, he was uh, bullied a lot because of that. Yes. Um, because of that, and he also, like, fantasy, he was all into that, so a lot of people, a lot of his peers, unfortunately, yeah, um, bullied him, which is sad. Mm-hmm. I'm really mad that I can identify with a lot of these cult leaders. You 
could have come up with rockets that went yeah, yeah. into our space. Where where did you go wrong? I've got a rocket in my pocket. You do. Want to fly to the moon. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things they bonded over was that they really loved science fiction. And something to know about this time was that rockets, the idea of rockets, was kind of ridiculed by the scientific community. It was considered bunk science. They're like, the math will not work. There's no possible way we can get these rockets all the way to other worlds. There's just, or other, even out of the atmosphere. You can't do it. The math isn't there. And so it was considered crazy, insane. Like, it wasn't respected at all. <laughs> Rocket science wasn't a thing. Um, so it made a lot of sense that these people had a passion for science fiction because a lot of the inspiration at this point was being drawn from this idea that, like, ooh, we can travel to other worlds and aliens and woo. Um, so that's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. And very strange to think about now. <laughs> I know, because it's so, like, every day, like, oh, they're sending out a rocket again. Must be Tuesday. Yup. Um, but yeah, so the young boys started experimenting together <laughs> on rockets, <laughs> <laughs> definitely on rockets, uh, starting by just shooting off fireworks mm -hmm. in Jack's backyard. Yeah. So around this time, this is the start of the Great Depression. So it's not a very great time. Parsons starts going to Pasadena Junior College, but because of financial issues, he eventually has to drop out. But he's still playing with rockets. Oh, yes. He went to work for Halifax Explosives. Mm-hmm. Because he's following that passion. Yeah, and he loves to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> And, like, in addition to that, he also worked, I don't know if it's, like, the same company and they renamed it, but he also worked for an um, explosives company called Hercules Powder Company. Um, yeah, that was prior to Halifax. Okay, yeah. He worked there in high school. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. He, he goes from, like, one, like, powder <laughs> company to explosives. <laughs> He's working his way up in that explosive world. But fun fact about Hercules Powder Company. It um, may just be a fact. <laughs> well, I'm excited. <laughs> tell me how fun this fact. Tell me. Tell me. So uh, the manufacturing company, uh, the manufacturing plant, I guess you can say, um, was actually based in Northern California um, called Hercules, California, which is actually where I grew up in. Oh. So he, he actually, there's a couple of years where he traveled or lived in Hercules, my hometown, for a couple of years. But um, I mean, as exciting as it is. connected to him. Yeah. Like I could have like walked in the same footsteps as he did. Yeah. At least don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is why you and I are going to do sex magic later. Because mm. you were doing, walking in his footsteps there, and I was walking in his footsteps in South Pasadena. So <laughs> I also lived in Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can join us for okay. the sex magic. <laughs> so he's, at this point, it's Great Depression-y. He has dropped out of college. And in 1934, he teams back up with Foreman. And they add in Frank Molina, and they start the Caltech-affiliated Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratory, Gausset for short, Rocket Research Group. There are many words. In that. <laughs> that is many <laughs> words. So just remember this idea of Gausset, because we're probably going to say that a few times. It's the rocket group that they have started together. And they managed to start that up. At Caltech, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Caltech, another beautiful place in Pasadena. So basically, as I'm reading through this, I'm just like, ah, I've been all these 
these places. Exciting. Um, but it's a very respected science school. And they most of the people there kind of thought they were crazy. What? <laughs> They're like, I don't know about those rocket boys. Um, not just because of the whole bunk science idea, but also because they were kind of chaos incarnate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just blowing things up over there. <laughs> they had multiple accidents on the site. And after one big explosion caused a piece of metal to just embed itself like a foot deep into a concrete wall, they're like, I don't feel like you should be doing that here around people. (laughs) Fun fact, Sid from Toy Story is based on Jack Parsons. Really? No, I just made that. (laughs) (laughs) I believed you. I know. (laughs) All the lies. Years of lies. <laughs> so at this point, they're like, we're sending you to the desert to do this work. Right over there. Right over there. Um, right here in Pasadena. It's the Arroyo. <laughs> the kind desert of area of Pasadena. <laughs> Altadena, La Cunada. Go to that desert right there. And this is where you're going to set up. <laughs> yeah. That, they said that. They're like, they sent him to the Pasadena desert. And I was really confused. I was like... <laughs> We ha- I mean, we're hot here, but we're technically not a desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's in the Arroyo Seco, and they were able to build an actual kind of place here to make blowing things up a little <laughs> bit more safe. Yeah, and they, they got some legitimacy because at this time, around 1939, the U.S. is going into World War II, and they needed rocket technology. So that's where Gaussett got the funding from the National Academy of Science to design the Jet Assisted Takeoff, or JATO. <laughs> and then in 1943, um, four years after it started, Gaussett turned into JPL, Jet Propulsions Laboratories. Woo! Amazing. And it's still there, part of NASA now. Uh, you can go see it. We just went inside, yes, sparkling on the distance. If you check out our Insta, we put up pictures. Yes. Yeah. We went down to JPL to a, a fancy little uh, dam there called the Devil's Gate Dam. You're so hot when you say that. <laughs> yes. So I guess this one's not that weird. Like, we just completed everything. Yeah. And he's good. just... Well, I guess, like, the group he was part of, they were called the Suicide Club because of all oh. the explosions. Um, that was pretty weird. Um, oh, wait, sex magic. There was sex magic. Oh, yeah. The, oh, I didn't scroll down. There's something here about Alistair Crowley and Elrond. Oh, oh, no. Elrond Hover. This is crazy. There are some things <laughs> that make Jack's story quite a little bit interesting. Um, so I think we have to rewind a little bit. So... I guess one interesting thing. So he got married in 1935 to Helen Northrup, and they together kind of were interested in some of these kind of occult things. And in 1939, Jack discovers the work of the occultist Alistair Crowley, who is deemed the wickedest man in the world by people of England. I find it funny because right before he got into Crowley, he was into Marxism. So he is apparently just kind of like making the circles. <laughs> He's just looking for a purpose as all young people do. You got to find your purpose. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, that leads us to sex magic, sex magic, sex magic, sex magic, sex. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give a little background, um, it's pronounced Thelema, right? 
the I, dilemma. I meant to listen to the <laughs> pronunciation. In my brain, I've been saying it thelemic. Okay. But I have no idea. Please don't at me. Please don't mock me. <laughs> so this was created by Aleister Crowley in the early 1900s. It's a spiritual and occult belief in manifesting your desires. So it's kind of the belief in yourself and you making your your life happen. Mm-hmm. And it says that in 1904, um, Crowley was with his wife, Rose Edith, in Egypt, and what's called a Praetor human, which is kind of like a spirit, I would say. Oh. It, it took over his wife, and through her, it dictated to Crowley the books of the law, which would become the foundation of Thelema. Wow. And then he identified that um, it's related to certain practices of yoga. Poor yoga gets dragged into everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't mind being dragged into this. Yeah. <laughs> so he says it has, like, it's a cousin with yoga, occultism, Eastern and Western mysticism, and mostly it's identifiable with the Kabbalah. And to give just a few more tidbits of what this religion is, it's uh, Crowley's beliefs would greatly later inspire Wicca, uh, modern paganism, Scarlet Witch and her chaos magic. Oh, I made that happen. I made that happen. Me. Me. I did that. (laughs) We're actually going to talk about her next week on our Disney show. (laughs) Um, And actually a lot of aspects of modern Satanism came Mm. from... Uh, these beliefs, which I can definitely see because Satanism, the majority of it today is less about like, I believe in Satan and more just, I believe in myself. So I can definitely see the correlation. Oh, for sure. And actually I got a little bit description straight from the horse's mouth from the U S grand lodge website of the Thelemic religion. Um, they said Thelema really emphasizes individualism and Mm -hmm. the uniqueness of each person's will with a capital W. As a result, <laughs> it is very difficult to make blanket statements about its nature, or still more so, the nature of its adherence. Even the label religion fits Thelema awkwardly in some context. It's, in other senses, a philosophy and a way of life, while also overlapping with the set of practices and symbols commonly called magic. Magic. With a K. I know. Because magic with a C... Uh, what they said is magic with a C is like stage magic. It's not oh. real. Magic with a K is associated with real magic. Like the X-Men character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so some people even say that Scientology came from Aleister Crowley, the yeah. original kind of I idea. Mean- <laughs> We might get to that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing I found is the three tenets of um, thelematic belief is do what thou wilt. Love is the law. Love under will. So what that means is love is a very strong bond, but love should never overtake what your desire is. Like whatever you're working towards, you should put that above love. Mm-hmm. And every man and every woman is a star. So what that means is star more like a star in the sky, like everybody's an individual, everybody has a place in the universe. So I thought that was very almost like pretty for such a dark man coming up with such kind of a pretty thing. (laughs) We're all stars. Yeah. We're all very special. We love you. (laughs) 
praise Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I think the reason why he kind of attached himself to like Satanism and the demonic is because when he was younger, he grew up very under like Christianity. So mm. back then, like if you didn't believe in Christianity, then you're automatically like a Satan believer or whatever. So I think that's what kind of really got him like attached to that really quick. And he even called himself like the beast and he had the other yes. names too. <laughs> the beast rides. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to go too far down Crowley's path because we may come back to him later. Yeah. There's so much. There's so <laughs> well. <laughs> I had to stop myself. Like, you are far down this rabbit hole. There's the Queen of Hearts. Go back. <laughs> go back. There's so much more going on in Jack's life yeah. <laughs> we got to get to. <laughs> yes. So they, they kind of get into this religion. They end up buying or leasing a house in uh, South Pasadena, and they name it the Parsonage, you know, because it's Parsons, the Parsonage. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, kind of immediately, we're not making their neighbors the happiest. No. Uh, They put in adverts in the paper where they're like, apply for a room here, must not believe in God. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And they... uh, would have uh, loud uh, orgies and mm-hmm. rituals and neighbors, like, complain about women out in, like, gossamer gowns dancing around fire in coffins. And they're like, I mean, she looks like she was going to light on fire. That's a fire hazard. <laughs> that's your concern? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was concerned about. Um, but, yeah, free love was a big part of mm-hmm. things. So um, there was a lot of openness in relationships. And um, a lot of the magic that was created was around sex. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that this is all happening in the church, Crowley takes to Parsons, like, immediately. So... Yep. Parsons moves up the ranks within a year to replace Wilfred Talbot Smith in 1942. So he's already uh, leading the Agape Lodge. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, maybe Wilfred had some hard feelings about that because then Wilfred started, was sleeping with uh, Helen, his wife, (laughs) and she was impregnated by him. And that's kind of what led to their divorce. Okay. Amidst other things, because aside from the fact that she was doing that, um, Jack Parsons, he also started sleeping with her 18-year-old sister. (laughs) And was like, this is fine. You know what's crazy? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I've been doing a lot of research into Mary Shelley lately for my own reasons. Winky face. Winky, winky face. This is the exact same story as Mary Shelley. Like... Her husband was sleeping with her sister, and he was cheating on his wife. And it's just, it's crazy to hear, like, the same story just retold through different group of people. Yeah. Different group of people. Tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, and at this point, um, she was called Betty, right? I think so. And so Betty was fresh-faced and 18 years old, and... They'd actually probably started this before she was 18 years old. Um, and they never got married. Um, but now she was kind of his new priestess, his new leading lady um, <laughs> in this sexy, sexy place of the parsonage. <laughs> and um, they met all sorts of people like throughout this group. It was very free love. There was a lot of counterculture people that were involved, a lot of artists 
came to the parsonage and spent time there. Um, we were talking about, oh, I just forgot the guy's name again. Kerouac was like a member. Jack Kerouac? Uh, oh, Carradine. Or, or Carradine. There yeah. we go. I keep mix, missing it, the name. Carradine. Um, and so it was actually one of, there's little about this that I find super dark, but there are some not great things. Like there was a point where a 16 year old boy came forward and said, um, that he had been forced upon, been forced upon sexually. It had been like raped, um, by multiple people. And the police came over and they're like, well, you look all respectable, so that can't be true. Yes. Goodbye, sir. There's a governor here. There's an actor here. Obviously, this boy is lying. Yes. We shan't believe that. That's how they talk then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, like, even though there's a lot of the stuff that I don't find super disturbing, it's not all good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the other stuff that was going on was the idea of, like, just, like, free love. There's definitely some, like, kind of polyamory or um, partner swapping going on. And I think that that was just really looked down upon at that time. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what gave it such a bad rap. It's still looked down upon today, even. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe like a little bit less. A less, yeah. A little bit less. So I love how, like you mentioned, so Helen's cheating, Jack's cheating with Sarah. So well, then... She's Betty right uh, now. Betty. And then Betty then leaves Jack for L. Ron Hubbard. Yes. So there was a, uh, a guy living at the parsonage that was illustrating science fiction-y type things. And he's like, I'm bringing by my friends. This is L. Ron. L. Ron, meet everyone. And L. Ron wasn't so much into the sex magic-y things. Like, even uh, Parsons said himself that, like, he wasn't connected to the magic, but he felt like Elrond had something special about him. Like, there was just something about his presence and his connectedness, and he's like, he's, like, connected to a guardian angel, a red-headed guardian angel, and all this weird stuff. But he comes around, starts running around with them, and he starts up a relationship with Helen. And uh, Jack was not too pleased with this. I think he even wrote to Mr. Crawley about this. Mm. He's like, she has transferred her affections elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so he kind of got into a place where he's like, oh, now I need to find someone else for me because she likes this guy now. Um, and is this when we start <laughs> evoking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, okay. So let's get it. Let's. Take a quick detour. So we've mentioned this phrase a few times, sex magic. Sex magic. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> so disturbing with the baby. <laughs> uh, forget about the baby. Forget about the baby. Uh, the sex magic is the ability to harness sexual energy, particularly in the moment of orgasm. Yes. One of the more common practices that one heard of is visualizing what you want in the moment of orgasm. Mm. Crazy enough. Yes. Somebody actually told me that not too long ago, that, like, the most simple form of magic is to visualize what you want when you orgasm. Um, I'll um, have you know, yeah. it has not worked so far. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying? I tried sex magic this morning, and I have not sold any copies of my book today. <laughs> when I was orgasming, I said, I want to sell a copy of my book. I'm sure that was uh, a very sexy moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, I... I'm sad I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and like, 
there was that. It was like the idea of um, orgasm bringing apart manifestate or bringing manifestation of things. It also was thought that it could like open up portals. Wow. Different worlds. And the visualization that I really loved is the idea of like drawing symbols in the air and then you're supposed to masturbate like into the symbols onto this rune. (laughs) Well, that's definitely for a very, very special (laughs) purpose. You see, since Jack no longer had his lady love, he needed an elemental to Mm -hmm. complete him. Uh, So he had to do some evoking and put a spell together to call forth, to manifest his elemental. So he did, he had a talisman, which was a piece of parchment uh, with some stuff written on it. He drew those symbols in the air and then he had to use the marrow of his wand to evoke it. Yes, because the marrow symbolizes semen. Well, no, the the marrow is semen. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The wand is his penis. Yes. And the marrow is his semen. And, uh, yeah, so uh, evoking was basically him masturbating until he came in the air and it sprinkled upon Mm -hmm. the talisman to call forth his elemental. And it worked. Gosh darn it. Did it? It did. I, I just, like... Totally scrolled away from where her name was. What's who? What's her name? Uh, oh, oh, I know the Marjorie Cameron. Marjorie. Yeah. yeah. So, so after Betty runs off with Elrond, Elrond basically calls Jack and convinces him this is a good thing. We're still friends. And Jack's like, "You're right. <laughs> we are still friends. <laughs> we are still friends." But and I'm this lonely. is when Betty also changes her name to Sarah. Yes. Who we all know, and she kind of became like Elrond's second wife. Yeah, because he had Polly, who's already four wife. wives. Yeah, but he he denies one of them existed. Yeah, he's weird. But he was definitely still married to Polly when he then yeah. later married uh, Sarah. Now, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, nay, Betty. <laughs> so Jack is lonely. So him and Hubbard decide let's go into the desert, an actual desert, not a Pasadena desert. Yes, and let's work on the Babylon working. If you don't understand Babylon, yes, you need to listen to our Stardust episode (laughs) on Movie Geek and Proud. Yes. (laughs) So it's the Babylon working. This is based on one of Crowley's novels from 1917 called Moonchild. And it's the idea of bringing the goddess Babylon to life. So they decided. This is how I was born. Yeah. So they, <laughs> it does match up to your time frame. You are quite old. <laughs> so in the forties, <laughs> they decide that um, they are going to impregnate. They are going to art. What's the word? Um, immaculate. Oh, immaculate. Immaculate conception. for conception. Yeah. Just some woman in the world just suddenly going to get pregnant with the goddess Babylon from Ooh. what they're doing in the desert. Yes. <laughs> This makes sense. And that's how Rachel was born. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) So um, while they're doing these rituals, Parsons has a vision of a red-haired woman. It's always a red-haired woman. I mean, those red-headed women. There's a reason I wanted to be one for forever. (laughs) I dyed my hair red for ages. So he sees a red-haired woman riding a horse. And then when they go back home, Marjorie Cameron, a woman with vibrant red hair, is waiting for them. Hello, I need a place to live. Huh? 
But she was only here for a little bit. She had to go back to the East Coast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, she did. But, I mean, eventually that's kind of who he ended up with at the end yeah, of Yeah, he married her in 46. She became his new priestess, his new <laughs> summoning partner. He evoked in her like crazy. Um, oh, speaking of, I do have a couple things that he practiced through... Thelemism. Oh. He would offer daily adorations to the sun. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it needs that Thank adoration. you for rising. Thank you. <laughs> he performed ritual magic, which we kind of talked on. He banished impure elements with pentagrams. And he invoked the power of the holy guardian angel. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like he was protecting us all. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I guess one of the funny things I think that also happened at this time was so Elrond runs off with his wife or his long-term partner and makes him her his wife, and then he like defrauds Jack for thousands of dollars. They like yeah. take his money to invest in a company, and then they run away with that money and buy three yachts with it. Because why have one yacht when you can have three? And ironically, these yachts are the beginning. Of Scientology. Yes, they are. That's how it all comes full circle. Full circle. Yeah. And let me just tell you this. During our break, I watched all three seasons of Leah Remney's Scientology. All right. Elrond Hubbard's a shit face. Yeah. He basically lied about his whole time in the war. Like, he would say there was an explosion that caused him to go half blind, and he hurt his leg because of shrapnel. They looked up his reports, y'all. And basically, they're like, he has a burned retina, the uh, equivalent of looking into the sun too long. Mm -hmm. And he, like, twisted his ankle. And then he still walks around, and he will throw, like, pieces of shrapnel on the ground and be like, oh, it's still coming out. I just, just <laughs> fell out. <laughs> just fell out of there. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm going to say this is based on the show. So this is based on the records that they found. I don't know if this is legitimate, but yeah. it seems pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it is an interesting. These it's it's almost like people really enjoy following horrible lying men. Not that I've seen any examples of that lately, um, <laughs> but it, it seems to be a it se it seems to be a trend. Uh, it is a thought that trumps all other thoughts. It is. <laughs> 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 I just felt like I hadn't heard from Alan for a little while. So yeah, I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I want to hear from Alan. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, after all of that, I, I was going to go into like the FBI involvement. Yeah. 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 So this is some exciting stuff. So, I mean, obviously, like, you know, Parsons is not like talk about like kicking a guy while he's down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things were kind of like, he yeah. was go he went up too fast, like a rocket. Yeah. And now <laughs> comes the descent back to earth. <laughs> yeah. So like in the 1950s, you know, this is the McCarthy area era where, um, you know, the FBI started investigating anything suspicious around this time, especially around like communism. Mm -hmm. Cause this was during like the cold war or right before the cold war. Communists were everywhere. You guys. Yes. Communism is just a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> Clue reference. Go <Yeah>. on. <laughs> so at this time, um, Parsons was working at the Hughes Aircraft Company, um, and he was actually being investigated because he was being accused of taking documents um, 
to supply information about rocket engines to the USSR. Um, but what, what, he, what he was actually doing was actually trying to find another job out in Israel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that probably well, doesn't look that good. Yeah, and at this time, they were our, like, we had a good relationship with them there. So mm-hmm. there, he didn't really see it as a bad thing. Like, he yeah. going to our allies, and he's like, I want a job, and was taking his research with him. He didn't really think about the idea of all what this could do for you know, national defense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was just being a little bit naive. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, even that, they were just like, spy, you're a spy for Israel. You're a spy, right there. I found him. Um, Yeah, so he was then eventually fired, unfortunately, from the Hughes Aircraft Company because of that, and unfortunately just got blacklisted from the whole aeronautical industry, which really sucks. Yeah, and... Like we said, he kind of starts downward trend. It, yeah. it really is a downward thing. One thing to keep in mind is that he was also an addict. Uh, he kind of started with sex addiction, and towards the end, um, they say that there was a lot of heroin mm. addiction as well. Um, but he eventually did find a job kind of working with movies, right? Like it was like doing explosions. Oh, <laughs> for movies that's fun. He loves explosions you guys mm-hmm. um and so is this i guess is this the point where we get to the, un- the unfortunate end, end. the unfortunate a ending. series of unfortunate events <laughs> yes. uh so he was working on some movie explosions and uh one day at age 37 in 1952 there were two loud explosions and he died he died he died he well, he didn't die immediately, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, he <laughs> gravely injured himself. Yes, we were trying to make a happy. Ending. <laughs> <laughs> no, he languished for a while yes. in excruciating pain. Half his face blew off. Yeah, and yeah, really kind of suffered for like half an hour, basically. And then he died. And then, and he, then died, he died. Yes. And when this first happened, there was a lot of rumors that flew around. Like, people are like, assassination. Like, people are trying to take him out. Um, but, and I, there's no real answer. There's no way to know for sure which way it went. But I do, oh, and some people also thought, like, it could have been a suicide thing mm. where he was mm-hmm. just like, I went on a very bad downward spiral and I'm just ending it all. But I think someone well-versed in explosions probably would have done it a little bit better to where he didn't just blow off part of his face and then have to languish. Um, And to me, the assassination idea seems a little bit far-fetched. I think it was just like, I mean, we knew he would explode things by accident all the time. It's kind of what he does. Yeah. So I think it's completely like normal that it would have just been... An accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An unfortunate accident that took such a fine life from us. Yeah, this was an interesting one because I feel like they were more like inward. Like they didn't really affect other people besides whoever was in the group. Yeah, it's almost like they were welcoming of it, people. But if you join them, it's not like they tried to ruin you if you left mm-hmm. or they didn't try to force you to be there. I think they were just kind of into the idea of free love and focused on getting the things they wanted. And one of the ways they did that was through things like rituals. And, um, I mean, yeah, horrible neighbors, probably. (laughs) Um, I, I'm so sad the parsonage isn't there anymore. Like I would love to go 
explore that house because there were lots of rumors about, oh, maybe it was haunted and stuff like that. Um, but now it's just been torn down and there's other stuff there. I, I'm sad to see that. I walked by the space and was like, that's just <laughs> empty. <laughs> so what I think is something to explore about this one is looking at it from, I guess I'll say a typical person's point of view. We've got magic, we've got occultism, we've got pentagrams. So I think a lot of people look at this and be like, they're evil, they're a cult. But from what we collectively know as our little group here, how do we see it knowing a little bit more about these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I I don't see it as hor- To me, having that sort of kind of way that you live your life by is the same as if you decided to be a full-on like Christian or like a Catholic person, and you're like, I go to church every Sunday, and I believe that this has been changed into the blood and body of Christ, and I am eating his blood and body. <laughs> when uh, you say it like that, anything sounds creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, and I don't feel like it was really outwardly harming people, mm-hmm. um, at least within this little area. Like, I think that it'd be interesting to dive deeper into the religion, like over on the Alistair Crowley side yeah. and see whatever's there. And I know it's Crowley. I keep saying it wrong. Sorry. Crowley. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am not bothered by it. I think it, I would want it to be their friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are interesting people. Maybe I don't want to do all this stuff with you, but you do you, you live your life. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely would be interesting to like be a fly on the wall and see what goes on over mm-hmm. there. But yeah, I, I, in general too, I don't, I don't feel that this they're harmful at all or that they would have been harmful. Um, they just seem like a fun crowd. Yeah. And I think definitely whenever you have any type of, you know, sexual grouping like this, there's going to be questions of like our little, our boy who yeah. got raped and, I think nothing's completely black and white. Like, I think there's more to the story as to, did he invite it? Why was he there? I'm not, I'm not trying to shame him for it. He may have been raped. And there's like like, no information out there on it. So unfortunately, all we can say is we know this, um, this accusation was there, but we don't know anything about it. Exactly. And of course, because it was written off by the authorities of the time, much like they do to many sexual crimes nowadays Mm -hmm. it makes it really hard (laughs) and even today we see you know i mentioned this before on the show but i have a singer that i really liked and like even he was caught up in something where he had written consent but then a lot of the people involved a lot of the women said well i was forced to give that consent so it's always whenever you have a sexual group and sexual goings-on there's going to be questionable circumstances Mm -hmm. yeah and i think one of the things is definitely I don't feel like a 16-year-old should have been involved in this. No. Like, with a minor, that instantly kind of puts them in the wrong. Yeah. Don't invite a 16-year-old to your orgies. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just a rule that I live by. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All the orgies you do. <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought this one to the table because it, it's definitely, like, for the way I see Marilyn Manson, you know, I understand him. I don't think he's an evil person. I think he's a very smart person who happens to do a lot of drugs. <laughs> and I think once you kind of understand what stardom is and, like, certain things aren't as evil as we are told they are, that you can learn a lot from them. hmm Yeah. Yeah. So do we go through the tenants? Yeah. The tenants. 
Of custom. So I think we'd all agree that Parsons was a charismatic leader. Yes. What about um, alienation? I don't feel like there yeah. was that here. I felt like it was more about like come as you are, do what you will. Thought you were gonna sing Nirvana for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was right then. Okay. Yeah. You were. <laughs> um belief system, I definitely say they had oh, one. Yeah. Super duper belief system. Really cool. Um, yeah, really cool. <laughs> Lots of sucks. <laughs> Outside evil. Oh, I don't feel like it necessarily, it didn't seem like they, at least from this aspect that we were looking at, I wasn't seeing stuff of like, something's bad. And yeah. Gravity. Gra- <laughs> gravity. I mean, the ultimate downfall. And sense of community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I feel they like all they live together and, you know. So they only had three out of the five. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like I would say it wasn't necessarily a cult. It was definitely, like, a group of people enjoying their sexy times. (laughs) Yeah, it was more of a spiritual group. And I would definitely want to look more into Crowley and see, like, if we'd get more culty vibes from him. Because I know he was a much darker individual into a lot of dark things. Yeah, and I do know maybe if we did look deeper, there's a lot of Masonic uh, kind of things in this. Like, they have the orders, and they have the rituals, and it was kind of got, because Crawley started with the Masons first before, Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of inspiration there, so maybe there's some aspect of that, but I don't know. At least from this story that has been watered down over time, (laughs) it doesn't seem to me all right awesome so let's talk about where we can all be found yes (laughs) so you can find me on instagram um it's sean s-h-a-w-n and then poret p-o-r-r-e-t-t i have a shit ton of projects i'm working on so that's the best place to centralize to see what i'm working on if you want to find out more I wrote a book on Amazon called Witch's Brew, which the link is there. I run Magic Havoc, where I sell buttons. And then I also have Brunch with the Hollowells, the Charmed podcast, and Movie Geek and Proud, the movie podcast. Yeah. And you can find me where, Alan? On what other podcast? (laughs) Once Upon a Colt? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, you you can find both of us, actually, um, on... The Marvelous uh, Galaxy of Disney. Um, it's a new Disney podcast, or everything under the Disney Umbrella podcast um, that we're starting, or have that we just started. We just started. Um, so listen to us there, too. Basically, so, it's like the partner to this one. We like to do a little dance around each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, so next Monday, Alan and I are going to talk about The Mandalorian and Scarlet Witch and the new WandaVision show. And then the next Monday after that, the 25th, Rachel, Alan, and I will be back for our next episode, which I'll talk about after Rachel talks about herself. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I am Rachel. You can find me a couple places as well. I do have another podcast called A Real Bodice Ripper. <laughs> I love that you say it like that every single time. <laughs> it's important. Um, and it talks about romance novels and how they're sometimes problematic, but oh, so delicious. Um, I also teach Zumba. Uh, so if you find yourself stuck at home, not being able to be super active right now with all the lockdowns. Getting fatter. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> and you just want more energy in your life. 
I am dancing four times a week, and you can come join me. You can find information about that on radiant.dance, and I'm online Instagram. It's at Radiant Dance Rachel, and that's spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And uh, those are my two big things. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Rachel Babette. Spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L-B-A-B-E-T-T-E. I don't do too much on there, but if you want to, I'm there. All right. So join us for Disney next week. Join us back on Cult on January 25th. I'm really excited to announce our first guest from this new era. We will have Ryan from Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. He is an inspirational friend of mine who's also a listener of both our podcasts. All four of my podcasts. <laughs> Jesus, I have four <laughs> podcasts. And he also um, is reading Witches Brew currently, so I really appreciate that. But he will be on Once Upon a Cult to talk about Jediism. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited to find this one. This is a group that believes in the tenets of the Jedi. I mean, they're pretty good tenets. Yeah, get your Mandalorian fix with us next week and get your Jedi fix the week after. <laughs> you, we're, we've just become a Star Wars podcast because as Sean will tell you, I'm an expert in Star Wars. Uh, C-3PO is the gold robot. <laughs> just so you know. On that note, thank you for listening <laughs> and we'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye. Bye.